Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to the Run to Daylight Football Funcast with your host, Todd Burroughs. in town well at least for now it's just me uh waiting on the mauler hold, hold, hold on a second i hmm, is that him let's see where yep there he is hold on yep that's him Motown Mauler, and uh, welcome, Mauler. Uh, welcome to the Run to Daylight podcast. Uh, good to have you back. Hey, thanks, Todd. Thanks for having me again, and uh, excited. Week 15, and lots to talk about. Yep, lots to talk about in the NFL. Um, last week was not an ideal week for me. It could have been, but you know, it's funny it's so easy to have to learn the same lesson over and over again. And as much as I tell myself not to fall in love with one player because of injuries, especially at the running back position, I allowed myself to fall in love with Thomas Rawls last week, who looked like from the beginning of the game that he was on his way to a huge day, but he gets hurt. He was in 50% of my lineups and as fate would have it, those tended to be the lineups where I had the, my best day. So um wasn't a terrible day for me, but it could have been a lot better if uh, I'd been a little smarter and, and mixed my exposure a little bit. How was the week for you? Uh, a little similar. Um, like you said, it's going to be very similar this week with the value running backs probably taking center stage so that people can load up at the wide receiver spot. But I had Rawls in a few spots. 
Um, my other value plays drone didn't pay off. So it was a, it was a rough week, which doesn't happen very often. Well, uh, you've been talking to me, so hopefully my uh, my luck doesn't spill over. Um, but uh, I also had a good bit of drone. I thought he was a good uh, value play, and it turned out that uh, Tim Hightower was the good value play. So we'll get to that in a little bit. But where I really wanted to start this week out, to me the most interesting thing of the week is that there's a lot of great quarterback matchups, I find. And at various different price points, you see two guys who are both good values. So I know you like to stick to a core group of players. Does that apply to QB this week? How many do you find yourself having to be in your lineups? Well, that, that's the thing. I, I usually try to, like you said, narrow it down to a couple. But, um, you know, we got Brady this week, even though they're saying he's sick, but he's got Edelman coming back. They're saying Edelman's doubtful now, but we know how the uh, injury report is for the Patriots. You got Russell Wilson, you got Cam Newton. Um, there's there's value quarterbacks that can be played. Uh, we talked earlier in the week about some GPP plays like AJ McCarron. It, it it it's everywhere for quarterbacks this week. This is one of the most wide open, uh, tough decision making weeks at the quarterback position all season. I I don't disagree. Uh, you could argue that Cam Newton might be the best guy to play this week against the Giants, especially with Jonathan Stewart out. But then you've got Tom Brady and even Aaron Rodgers in some pretty good spots, a little lower, and Carson Palmer and Russell Wilson are exactly the same price. And then you go down to the next level and Blake Bortles and, you know, um, who is the other guy, uh, Matthew Stafford. Uh, uh, exact price and the, the you know often things that are difficult also bring opportunity if let's say on a week where I really liked Newton and there was no one at that price point well that's going to bring his ownership up so there is an opportunity with all these quarterbacks if you have one at a spot that you like more than the other it could present some opportunity. Yeah, and like you said, if you look on DraftKings, Palmer and Wilson are the same price, and that's going to cut ownership in half for probably both of them. Same with Brady and, and Newton. And, you know, like you said, it's a good thing because uh, you don't want to have 70 80% ownership. You'd like to cut that way down if you can, you know, just in case your guy does have a huge game and you want to separate yourself from the rest of the field. All right, so let's go through a couple of these uh, quarterback stacks, if you will, and kind of break it down a little for the people listening. So the highest rated stack, you've got Tom Brady at home with weapons, losing LeGarrette Blunt, which might make you think that he's going to be throwing the ball more, or Cam Newton against the Giants where there's some blowout risk. Uh, which guy do you tend to like better there? Well, I mean, you probably ask the toughest question you can start out with because, like you said, uh, Carolina's just been putting at two people, and there's a huge risk for blowout there. Olsen, you know, just missed uh, suffering a a serious injury last week, so they would like to rest him. So you don't know if you you take Newton in a blowout or you hope that Brady and and his weapons can outscore Newton. So – 
I guess if you had a gun to my head, I would go Brady, but you know, uh, I would say 51 to 49%. I've got Newton over Brady. Um, and we'll get into a couple other reasons later. And again, not, you know, I haven't made a Brady lineup yet and I've made a few cam lineups. I tend to play more guys than you do being a newbie and it's more fun. And, you know, I'm not doing this for a living. I'm doing this as a hobby. So it's a different animal and different, you know, I'm playing $3 games and some fives and some twenties. So, you know, my feeling is that Cam without Stewart is more likely to get touchdowns. And even in a blowout, they tend to leave Cam in for three full quarters. And he could do a lot of damage against the Giants. With Brady, well, that's it's, one of, re- it's really hard to pick who his quarterback, I mean, who, you know, who are you going to stack him with? There's four guys you could stack him with. Cam you could go naked cam and be very happy. Well, yeah, that's what I, you know, cam always has an advantage over any other quarterback that you're choosing him against for the simple fact that rushing touchdowns are two more than passing and you get bonuses for hundred yard, hundred yards rushing, but also 10 rushing yards is a full point. So you could sneak out an extra 20, 25 points just on the ground if Cam Newton has, you know, 60 yards, a touchdown or two. Uh, you know, if he goes crazy and busts a long one and, and you're lucky enough to get 100 yards rushing, imagine, you know, how much more beneficial that is. And if the Giants do keep the game close, it could be a high-scoring affair. So we go down to the next two, and you've got Russell Wilson and Carson Palmer. I think one thing that needs to be pointed out here is that on the Thursday night slate, Russell Wilson by far was the highest owned quarterback. And I'd like your breakdown on, on these two guys. Well, Wilson's been hot the last three weeks. Him and Baldwin have, have just been amazing. Um, And they are at home. Uh, Another thing that I like about Wilson is they're down to their third string running back. So that, puts a lot more on his shoulders as well to where he may have to take in uh, a touchdown down near the goal line on his own. So kind of same, same situation that we have with Cam is he's going to get you some points on the ground and possibly get you a few extra points by taking one into the end zone from the ground. On the other hand, Palmer, I mean, we're looking at him facing one of the worst defenses statistically and he's been having a wonderful year. If he stays consistent, you're looking at, you know, 300 yards and at least two touchdowns. So um, cash game play, you can play either. Uh, If I'm going tournament, I think Wilson has a higher ceiling because uh, of the the rushing aspect. (coughs) Did I lose I hit the button, but it didn't bring me back. Um, I tend to go more Palmer this week, and I'll tell you why. That Two things scare me about Wilson. One, the higher ownership. So even if he does go off, now you've got to hope that the rest of your lineup is better than you know 20% of the field. But you've also got the issue where he's been so efficient. You know, he doesn't throw the ball a lot. And it's, you know, all he has to do is regress back a little bit 
So at that price point, I'm not saying I don't have a Wilson lineup, but I think Palmer is a little sneakier. Now, the issue there is he's got three legitimate guys who you can stack him or double or even triple stack him with. Yeah. What, you know, that makes it a little more difficult with Palmer. What's your take on the wide receiver situation this week? Well, yeah, like uh, with said, Arizona. I like, well, I, I like Floyd with Palmer all day because it gives you the flexibility to get the high-priced guys in there. And like you said, if you really want, you can try to go contrarian and, and pair him with Brown or or Fitzgerald, and you know that gives you a few more options than you have with Wilson. I mean, if you try to stack wide receivers with Wilson, you're kind of stuck with Baldwin or maybe Lockett if you tried to to go there. But, uh, yeah, you have a lot more flexibility with Palmer, both with the number of, of guys you can stack him with and also with the price point so you can get some more high-priced guys in there. I, I heard a great podcast uh, this week, 4 for 4 um, MVP podcast, and they always have good information, TJ um, Hernandez and Chris Raybon. And this week they did about regression to touchdowns. And they didn't mention Larry Fitz, but when they were talking, he was the guy that really jumped out at me. His salary is a bit down from its high. And Floyd has been the, you know, the guy that everyone's on because of his low price. You mentioned Fitz being contrarian. I like him this week. I think he regresses back to a touchdown or two this week in a really good matchup. Palmer loves the guy and, I think he's a sneaky play this week. Sometimes it does pay to pay up to be contrarian. Yeah, absolutely. I don't mind uh, paying up for, for the Fitz-Palmer um, stack at all. I think actually that's a, probably a safer um, play, you know, with a, a solid floor than, you know, you're looking at Michael Floyd kind of getting you more points than he should at a, a minimum price point. And, I also have a Palmer Fitz Brown stack and I like that because there is going to be enough love I think to go around to two receivers this time that really makes you contrarian having the two contrarian wide receivers and Brown Brown was unhealthy for a couple weeks and he's had a lot of time to get healthier he looked more like himself last week and Palmer always goes deep to him a couple times as well. So I did put together one lineup with that. I, I, I like that game. I love picking on Philadelphia, and we'll see how that plays out. The third big stack is Bortles or Stafford. Both are 6,100. What are your thoughts there? Well, when you look at Bortles, you're looking where you have more options again. You have Allen Robinson, you have Hearns, you have Julius Thomas. Um, when you go to Detroit, you're kind of stuck with either Megatron, and if you want to go Contrarian, you can you can go Golden Tate. So, I mean, when you're looking at the matchups, sure, Detroit is playing primetime Monday night against a not-so-stellar secondary. And, uh, um, you know, that, that's always that's always good, but Stafford has those games where he throws more interceptions than he does touchdowns and you don't want to be in the negative that's for sure no uh the one thing about stafford to the positive is and i've got one or two really nice stacks with stafford 
What I like about it is any time he's had a plus matchup, that's when he's gone off. He's been pretty consistent in that way. When you know when he's had a plus matchup, he has gone off. Hello, hello, can you help me, Timmy? Timmy, is that you? Yeah, I can't find my way home again. Oh, Timmy, Timmy, you got lost. I did. Can you help me get home to Narrative Street? Yes, of course we can. Right, Mauler? Absolutely. But first he has to to sing his song. Oh, okay. Can you tell me how to get get to Narrative Street? Well, Timmy, since you asked so nicely and you sang me your song, since we're finishing up with quarterbacks, I'm going to mention the narrative of the week. And it played out well in the Thursday night game where St. Louis was possibly playing their last game ever. And they came up big. And this week, Phillip Rivers and Antonio Gates might be playing their last game in San Diego. A guy that I'm very high on this week, Mauler, is Phillip Rivers. I'm going to take Narrative Street to help Timmy home this week. What are your thoughts on Phillip Rivers? And are, are there any great quarterback options that I may have missed? Well, I love Rivers um, because he's not going to be highly owned, I don't think. He is at home. It could be the last time you see those guys. And I like the idea of pairing them together, like you said. A lot of injuries at the wide receiver spot, and we know Gates has been Rivers' favorite target for uh, going on a century now. And, uh, I mean, low ownership, high ceiling, low price at 5500 I I don't see why not. Yep. And is there anyone else that uh that you you know that we might have missed in our conversation before we move on? Well, uh a sneaky value contrarian play that you might be able to pair with Julio Jones is Matt Ryan. I know he's been awful recently, but Jacksonville is one of the lowest ranked defenses, you know, in the NFL. He does have Julio Jones to throw to, so you know there is a chance that he could could have a nice game and and you could sneak up on some people with with him being fairly low low owned. Yeah, I I know a lot of people, smart people, are on Julio again this week. Um, I've got him in a couple lineups. I found most of the time, and we'll get to wide receiver, but I've found that I mostly am happier going with a bunch of mid price guys this week and sprinkling in some high price guys. I I I really feel like there's one other guy who I I have in a lineup that's AJ McCarron and I thought he really focused in on AJ Green when he came in the game. I watched a good bit of that game. He did not look terrible against Pittsburgh. They didn't score a ton of points, but McCarron isn't your average backup quarterback. I think he does have a decent skill set. And there was some talk before the year where maybe he could push Andy Dalton. And I think that is a very sneaky play. I don't think McCarron's going to be highly owned. And I'm high on A.J. Green this week because Tyler Eifert's out. And I do think McCarron really looked to him. And if A.J. Green is a target hog, history says he could really go off. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I'm I'm going to go a little bit against you on this, and that is only because I saw a statistic that kind of blew me away from uh, Adam Levitan, and that was 
at home, San Francisco hasn't given up more than 20 points, and they've faced uh, Rodgers um, and a few other solid quarterbacks, Matt Ryan, and that kind of uh, threw me for a loop because everybody is always targeting uh, against the 49ers, but I did not realize they were that solid at home. I, I did saying realize that, that. I'm sorry, go ahead. Saying that, I think you're in a, a great position with the McCarran Green stack. It's going to be probably the lowest own um, of that price tier, you know, the 52 to $5,500 range. And they do have potential for, you know, three touchdown uh, hookups between them because he will feel comfortable throwing to A.J. Green. You know, it took years for Dalton to to learn how to spread the ball around there and get everybody involved. But, you know, when it comes pressure time, uh, quarterbacks have that one guy they like to throw to. And I can see uh, McCarron and Green hooking up a lot tomorrow. Yeah, I've been all over that San Francisco thing. I forget who they played two weeks ago, the last time they were home, and some pretty famous people were uh, on the team that they were playing. And I was like, I'm not touching them. They're going to have high ownership, and San Francisco's been good at home. But I think that, and again, this isn't something where I'm going to make, you know, 15 AG green stacks, but I, I've got one or two, and uh, I feel real good about my chances with it. Uh, they could they could hold them to 20 points and greens and McCatton still pay good value. So that's pretty much it for the quarterbacks. I think we kind of beat that to death, but I think it's the most challenging position this week because of how much depth there were and just how unique it was to have so many good options at the same price points. Uh, after last week, though, where there were not a lot of great values at running back, this week, once again, we have a variety of nice low price choices. Who are your favorites and why? Oh, man, I got about a dozen uh, that are decent, but a couple of my favorites are uh, definitely Hightower again. He's still under 4,000. Uh, Detroit isn't a great rush defense, and, you know, they throw the ball to him quite a bit, so I love Tim Hightower. Uh, I love uh, Brandon Bolden as a sneaky play. I think he's about 3,200. We know he's exactly New England, that. Yeah, we know New England is, is just riddled with injuries and he catches the ball out of back the backfield. I think he had 14 carries or something in the second half last week. But, yeah, I like Bolden at 3,200. Um, you start moving up a little bit. Uh, you got the guys that split time, the, the, the Crowells and Duke Johnson, the Hills and Bernards. I tend to stay away from the guys because, you know, teams t- tend to steer to towards who's hot and – you know, I don't want to get caught on the, the back end of who's hot. I like uh, uh, sneaky plays, maybe Javaris Allen. Casey's been great against the run. They've had a great defense all year. But Allen's getting, you know, a ton of touches, both carrying the ball and catching the ball. And at 4,500, you know, you get in the end zone once with, with his touches, he's he's making two, three times value. Yeah, I of the guys you mentioned, I uh, Hightower is fairly obvious. Uh, Bolden, I agree with you. I don't know how sneaky he'll be, uh, but I think that for smart guys, I've got I had too much Bolden the first time through, and I mixed in some Hightower. 
my Bolden Hightower mixture was too one-sided. Um, but well, when it comes when it comes to the 4,500, 4,600 range, I'm finding it real hard not to take Denard Robinson. He's my premier guy at that price point. The big problem with TJ Yeldon was he was getting yanked for Robinson near the goal line. And now you've got Robinson taking over Yeldon's work, plus most likely keeping his own. He has that potential also to break some big ones. And he had some really great games as a starter last year. What are your thoughts on Denard Robinson? Do you find him uh, attractive like I do? Well, like you said, at that 4,600 price point, uh, it's kind of hard to not take him. I mean, you got Bernard at 4,500 that's splitting carries. You don't really trust Latavius Murray against Green Bay. He's had fumbling problems. We never know what Belichick's going to do in the back backfield. And Denard adds that element where he he's going to be able to catch the ball too. So every reception is a point on DraftKings. We love that. So any running back that's going to get touches and possible catches is going to be good. And I think a, a guy that we missed that's going to be huge is Fozzie Whitaker. Um, I mean, uh, James Stewart is out and, the the Panthers are going to be playing with a lead, so I think this guy's going to get 15 to 20 touches. Uh, he might catch a few passes, and he's minimum. So uh, I, I I think you're going to see a ton of lineups that have Hightower and Whitaker together. So if you can find a strong pivot off those two um, and, and just magically find two running backs that can outscore those two for about the same price, then you know you're gonna you're gonna do well. That's interesting because I I haven't gotten on the Whitaker train, and it's not that I don't like the guy. It's just that there's so many other options that I do like. But he's another guy that maybe I should put into that mix with Bolden and Hightower when I am going low end, or make a couple new lineups. A guy also that I'm pretty high on. You talk about that committee and. Kendrick West and Spencer Ware have been uh, splitting carries the last two weeks, but Ware's banged up with a bruised rib. He could barely breathe after the game last week. If I hear that Ware's not playing and he's inactive, I've already got West in a few lineups. Um, I might make a few more lineups. What are your thoughts on on the Shark this week? Yeah, definitely if Ware's out, um, I I give West a a strong look. you know, we were talking about West Ware uh, splitting carries the other day, and, and, you know, we just wonder where Niall Davis went. You know, Charles went down last year. I think they Davis I think took, they sent him down the Nile. Yeah, I mean, he filled in admirably last year, and then all of a sudden Charles goes down this year, and you got three, four other guys uh, ahead of him. But, yeah, like you said, they were they're supposed to split carries. Ware's questionable if Ware is out. Uh, West could be, I would say, one of the top three, four value plays down there in that price range uh, between yeah. 3000 and 5000 He got so much uh, percent of work before he got hurt. And if wears out, uh, I, I just love Sharkandrick. Um, I think the reason Niall Davis disappeared um, on my old show, the Tuesday Night Pay Dirt Football Show, we had a theory that every year Andy Reid eats a running back. 
<laughs> and uh, I, I guess, you know, that's why no one can find Niall Davis, uh, because Andy Reid ate him. And, uh, you know, that's uh, it's hard to get carries when you're inside someone's belly. So the next... Yeah, it, uh, it, Go ahead. Yeah, no, go ahead. The next tier, we've got LaShawn McCoy, who disappointed everyone, hurt everyone's little feelings last week. I was not buying the narrative street last week on McCoy. Um, I just thought that it was too much narrative street and too much ownership. And I think that's the problem with narrative street. And I'm not hearing as much of it with Rivers this week. Um, Lamar Miller was on his way to an amazing game before he tweaked his ankle last week. It's still an issue. Where do you stand on McCoy and Miller? Are you just staying away from both or do you have a little bit? I I don't have any, honestly, from the 5,200 price point on DraftKings all the way up to, I would say Matt Forte. I I don't want to touch because there's so much value this week at the 3000 to $500 range that, you know, these guys you don't need because even if they score a few more points than those less priced guys, you're still making better value because you're saving so much money. I guess the, the next level I look at is maybe D'Angelo Williams. I know Denver has a great defense, a strong defense, but D'Angelo gets a ton of touches, then throws him the ball and, uh, you know, I was surprised at his high ownership last week, and you know, I can see him having a decent game this week and being a bit lower owned because they are playing Denver. Yeah, I I don't disagree. I uh, I was just going to say you go up in price. There's D'Angelo, there's Adrian Peterson, and there's Devonta Freeman, and a lot of smart people are on AP this week, and I think. You know, I, I think it was Al Zeidenfeld said on on their pod, if you want to be contrarian this week, spend 12k on running backs. And it's you know th- there there is just a lot of decent running backs this week. Yeah, and I mean you you look at Peterson, and I think he's the only one on the whole list that you know could get maybe 35 and and, and double you know what you need to get because. You know, Jacksonville gives up a lot of of passing yards to the running back, but Atlanta's, you know, they've been soft the last few weeks. Coleman's getting a lot more touches. You mean Freeman? Freeman's playing. Yeah. I'm sorry, by the way, that I'm snuffling a little bit. I'm getting over a cold. Apologies to everyone out there. Um, So we're going to move on to the wide receiver position. Um, And, uh, before we get to wide receivers, though, I wanted to talk a little game theory with you. Are there any games you looked at this week? We all know that Vegas lines are very important for daily fantasy. Well, I've come up with this theory that since everyone who's smart now knows about Vegas lines, there's less of an advantage than there used to be. But one thing that we can do is we can look at the over-unders and get a gut feel if there's a game where we feel Vegas has the game too low. In other words, if you're going to look to do the over on a game, that would also be a good game to do some players for daily fantasy because their ownership will be less because they're not in high implied total games. What do you think of that theory? 
And are there any games this week that you've looked at where you said Vegas is too low? I think that we sh- we should target that game. Well, um, the only two that I look at in that situation is the Monday night game. I think that's going to be a very high-scoring game. It's indoors. Uh, Detroit usually plays well indoors, you know, because they 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 have an indoor stadium up here. New Orleans is, you know, uh, an amazing team at home offensively, and I just I don't see much defense going on there. And the Vegas line in that game is pretty high, but I still, you know, I would target players from that game, um, you know, because it's going to be high scoring. And then the other one is Arizona Philly. Uh, I don't think Philadelphia can stop Arizona. And I think they'll be trying to play catch up all day. Uh, It might not help. You know, I can see maybe a two touchdown win for Arizona, but, if Philly can keep it close, you know, we can we can see some fantasy points racked up from that game as well. And, and then the sneaky one, um, maybe like you said, Miami at San Diego, because we don't know what's going to happen. You know, River, Rivers could start to go, uh, go crazy, have a good game, and Miami could be playing catch-up. You know, uh, and they have a high-powered offense at some times with Landry and those guys. Well, and that's the one that I was going to just point out. That game has a Vegas total of 45.5 with a line of minus one and a half for San Diego. I know a lot of people think San Diego are going to blow Miami out, that Miami's given up. But I think there's a very good chance that Miami plays well. Both San Diego and Miami struggle against teams, especially San Diego, teams that can rush the passer well. And that is because San Diego's offensive line is so bad and so beaten up this year. Miami, since they've lost Cameron Wake, have had trouble getting to the quarterback. And I think this is a sneaky game to maybe have a shootout. So I agree with you there. So with that, we'll we'll transition back over to the wide receiver position. A lot of the top end wide receivers have tough matchups. Are there any of them that you're going to bite the bullet on expecting lower ownership where you think their talent will overcome the situation and pay off big? Well, the one that I look at is Antonio Brown and, and Denver has the best secondary in the football people say, and Pittsburgh has too many weapons. Brown will get open. He'll make some catches, but I don't know if he warrants the price tag. Um, you know, I think he's a good GPP play. I wouldn't trust him in cash games, but I would definitely, of the top guys, he would be my uh, first pick for GPPs. And then uh, then definitely Julio Jones. Jacksonville doesn't do great against a wide receiver, and, you know, he's going to get his targets. He's been complaining that he hasn't gotten enough red zone targets, so those are going to start coming as well. So um, I guess my 1A, 1B up there is, is Julio but he will be higher owned than, than Brown. So if you're going contrarian and want a high upside, you play Brown. If you want to play it safe, you know, more for cash games, I look at Julio. And that leads me to my team, the New York Giants, and Odell Beckham. It really does seem to be one of those cases where the immovable object is that the, the immovable object is going to run up against the irresistible force. Beckham has been as good as he was in his first year the last couple weeks, getting targets galore, making plays. And 
he will face up against Carolina and Josh Mormon, who shut down every other major wide receiver this year. But the Giants do move Beckham around, and I think he is the sneakiest of the top-end guys. And I think that a Cam Newton with Olsen and Beckham alignment, if the game does turn into a shootout, has the potential to win some people some tournaments. Yeah, and I like that idea. And, you know, I'm kind of disappointed because I started out my cash lineup and had it all week with Eli and Beckham together. And then at the last minute, I changed to Roethlisberger and and Brown, you know, but uh, it happens. But, I mean, Beckham looks like no one can hold him. And the reason is because he catches anything. I, I never thought that I would see another catch like the one he made last year. And he's made two or three that were better or just as good this year. So, you know, when you have a guy like that, you have to throw him the ball. And when you have have someone that gets that many targets, he's going to put up fantasy points. So I can't argue with you there at all. Yeah, it, it's a dangerous one. I don't have him a lot, but I do think that leaving him completely out of your mix, you take the up the chance that even if it's a blowout late in the game, he makes a big play and scores you 30 points. I have him in two of my four redraft leagues. I'm in four semifinals, and I never thought seriously about resting Odell Beckham this week. When you move down to that next level of wide receiver, Allen Robinson, I've talked about Larry Fitzgerald, Alshon Jeffrey, Demarius Thomas, Randall Cobb, Jarvis Landry. A lot of good choices there. Any of them jump off the page to you, Mahler? Have you, uh, have you ever played Yahtzee? I did. Do you remember the cup that they give you to put the dice in and shake them up and roll it? I do. That's what I'd like to do with a few of these guys because this is this is the price point on the receivers that I like this year or, or this week. I mean, you got Me Fitzgerald, who, who we both like. Um, Alshon Jeffrey, while not might not be a good cash game play, he always has a high upside. We talked about the shootout um, in Detroit and New Orleans, so Calvin Johnson could be a play, as could Demarius Thomas and, and Randall Cobb. So there's a lot. Of, of receivers that can be played in this price range. And, you know, you just have to, to dig deep into your personal research to figure out who you, who you want here. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm mixing up. I definitely have some Fitz, some Jeffrey. I haven't bit the, the bullet on Demarius yet, although he is a huge uh, regression to touchdown target on the four for four podcast. The guy, <coughs> the guy, that a lot of smart people are on, that they've convinced me. Mike McCarthy's taken over the play calling again. Last week was almost like a new season for the Packers because of that. And we saw Randall Cobb become Randall Cobb again. And at $6,300, I got to say, I'm really high on Randall Cobb this week. I don't have him in a ton of lineups, but I, I have added him into a few lineups that I didn't. And I've made a few lineups with him. What are your thoughts on Randall Cobb? I, I love Randall Cobb this week. I think pairing him with Rodgers um, is a good idea because, like we discussed earlier, you have those quarterbacks at, at 7K and then those quarterbacks at 78K. And you kind of forget about Rodgers there in the middle at 7,400. 
and pairing him with Randall Cobb, you know, with Mike McCarthy, <laughs> making sure he's his main target again, it would be a great idea. And I, I love these guys here down at 62, 6,300. I like Watkins again this week. Washington isn't great against a wide receiver, so I like Sammy Watkins. And like you said, San Diego, Miami could get into a shootout, and Jarvis Landry is always a threat. Yep. I, I'll throw in one last guy. We're running low on time. I really like Macklin as well. So we go over to the tight end position, and I was shocked by how low Greg Olson's ownership was. What are your thoughts on Olson? Are you scared off on him? And who are some of your favorite tight end plays this week? Well, Olsen is a little scary because they said he is a little hobbled by the knee injury. Could have been a lot worse than it was. And, I mean, 6,900 for a tight end is, is a lot. If you compare him to the receiver slot, you know, you're looking at getting Calvin Johnson, uh, Demarius Thomas, Randall Cobb for 600 cheaper. So I think there's a lot better value as you look down um, at tight end. I like Antonio Gates. Uh, I like Julius Thomas. I like Ben Watson in the shootout. So down at that middle tier, I think there's a lot of value to be had with the, a few games that could be a shootout. And then just a few tight ends that quarterbacks feel comfortable with. Uh, Gates is Rivers' number one target. And like I said, there's been a ton of injuries at the receiver court at San Diego. So uh, you look at these these middle price guys like Gates and Thomas and Watson, and I think that's where you go this week and where you start when you're looking at tight end. Yep, and the one guy that I'll throw in is Zach Miller. Um, he is low-priced. Uh, he, he went over 3000 but I think it's 3200 Jay Cutler looks for this guy, and he's been making plays, and I think he is a real sneaky guy to uh, put, some ta- uh, put some ownership on. Yeah, I like him. And then if you move down a, a few hundred, I think 600 more dollars, uh, I like Will Ty again, too. Uh, I know they're playing Carolina, but Ty has looked re- remarkable the last few weeks. He even got in the end zone last week, and um, he's looking really good. And I think that's a sneaky play down at about the $3,000 range. You know, we, we have the guys up at the top, like I said, the Watsons and and you gave Zach Miller, who I think is the only viable play down at that uh, $3,600, $3,700 range unless you want to try and sneak Keith Miller in. And then down there uh, at the bottom, you have Will Ty and, and you know, whoever whoever's going to fill in in Buffalo could get a few catches at tight end. But uh, I, I like Ty down there at, at near minimum. Yeah, I uh, I haven't made him in a, put him in a lineup yet. But, um, you know, I was on him before he went off. I had him in a couple lineups the first couple weeks he started. Being a Giant fan, I, I, I could see he was going to get the targets at some point. And unfortunately, a few times this year, I've been on guys a week or two before they go off. Um, and then once, once they go off, it's tougher to get back on them for a variety of reasons. So defense, there's a couple really good, strong, high-priced defenses, which are pretty obvious the Seahawks, the Chiefs. Are there any real value defenses out there? Well, I like the Bengals up there near the top, too. Again, you can go to the Yahtzee plan and throw the Seahawks chief up there and roll the dice and see who you get. Um, I'm just not sure how much value there is down at the bottom this week uh, unless you start looking at, uh, you know, maybe – 
the Ravens at, at minimum value. I mean, they have to keep it close. They have to run the ball. Uh, I mean, I just don't see much here down at the bottom um, because Carolina's going to score a lot. Arizona's going to score a lot. San Diego, Miami could be a shootout. There's just not much value down at the bottom this week. Um, maybe the Vikings against Chicago down at the $2,500 range. But other than that, it's kind of tricky this week looking for value in, in the defense. I don't disagree. I would say that the Texans playing a banged-up Matt Hasselback or check-down Charlie Whitehurst could be yeah. a good option, even though I would feel more comfortable if they were home, as Adam Levitan said. Um, and that is just about going to do it for this episode of the Run to Daylight Fantasy Funcast. Um, Mauler, it was always great having you on. I love doing this with you every week, and we'll look forward to talking to you and everyone else next week Thanks for being part of the show, guys. Thanks, Todd. Have a good day.